everybody. Susan Ruth here. This is Hey Human Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. On this episode of Hey Human, I uh, spoke with Ilana Magdin. She's a screenwriter, editor, film producer, and a novelist. And her publisher reached out to me, and I had uh, spoken with one of their other authors uh, from this particular publishing house, Penworks Media, and uh, Jody, who I spoke to, said... uh, whom I spoke to, pardon, said, hey, would you like to read this other book by one of our other writers? I said, sure, send it to me. And I devoured Dragon Speaker. That's the name of the book, Dragon Speaker. It's a really great sci-fi fantasy book. And I just, I got a kick out of it. I loved it. And when I was finished with the book, first of all, I was very sad to finish it. Sometimes that happens with books. You don't want them to end. And the good news is, it's a series of in a, in a series of five. So yeah, I have to wait a little while for the second book to come out. But I immediately wanted to read the second book as soon as I finished the first book, which is always a great sign of a great author. Um. So anyway, yeah, it was a really fun interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. Little housekeeping on iTunes. Please subscribe to Hey Human. And please, uh, if you, whoops, oh, I hit the mic. That's a big no-no. If you get a chance, please review Hey Human Podcast. Maybe leave out the fact that I just hit the mic with my hand. That's the first time in 17 episodes I've done that. So that's pretty good. Um, Anyway, that would be really wonderful. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends, your family, your loved ones, Anyone and everyone you can think of, it would be wonderful. So, without further ado, adieu, adieu, uh, let's all welcome Ilana Mugden, Dragon Speaker! Well, she doesn't speak to dragons. Oh, I almost forgot. October 15th is World of Dragon Day. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Not me. I haven't heard of anything like it before, but I'm a big fan of dragons. Good dragons or evil dragons doesn't matter they're dragons which that's cool anyway so here we go this is ilana mugden that i'm speaking with today on hey human and uh thank you so much for being on the show thank you for having me i really appreciate it yeah i'm i'm excited uh so your publisher jody at penworks media reached out to me and said, hey, uh, would you be interested in, in talking to Alana? And I said, yeah, sure, but I'd love to read her book first, you know, just so I have something to talk about. And uh, he said, great. So he sent me a digital copy, which I'm a book person. Like, I love books. I love the way they smell, I love the way they feel. I thought, oh, my gosh, how am I going to read a digital book? I've, I've never, to be, to be true, I've never even read a digital book. I thought... Man, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a hard copy girl myself. Yeah, but let me tell you, I read your book in less than two days. I couldn't stop reading it. It's so good. Thank you. I, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Oh, my gosh. No, I loved it. I loved it. I told everyone, I was like, you have to read this book. And, you know, not everybody's into fantasy and sci-fi and stuff, which I grew up in a family that worshipped all those kind of books. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so, and it's, you know, dragons are in it, so... The name of the book, just so everybody, is Dragon Speaker, and it's part of a, it's a five-book saga? Yes. Right? Called, it's the Shadow War Saga, correct? Shadow War Saga. Yeah. And, uh, and so this is book one, and it just came out, Dragon Speaker, and it's really, it's really, really good. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I'm really, and I do, I think that, you know, in the same way that Harry Potter was kind of ubiquitously appealing yes. to all audiences, I think this is, I'd like to think that this is the same way. Yes. Um, because I tried to, to veer away from a lot of the fantasy tropes that sometimes deter people. 
yeah. from yeah. reading fantasy books. Like a lot of the like, it does have a large cast of characters, but we focus on our protagonists, and you get to know them. And I think in a way, it's a very character-driven piece. Whereas some other fantasy books that you might read are very much like the land and the terminology almost become characters because it's so focused on that. Like a Tolkien. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean, I love. Yeah, of course, yeah. Huge influence, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And he was such a great linguist, and you could just tell from the way he wrote that he loved language. Yeah, he made up and, his own, even. <laughs> and he was, I know, right? <laughs> and he was so clever just with the way that he, that he kind of, he was a wordsmith. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, especially for a little bit younger readers or, or casual readers, it, it might be a deterrent to, to have this kind of really enriched uh, and extensive vocabulary and like really specialized fantasy vocabulary. You have to kind of like know what the orcs are. You have to know right. <laughs> what everything is and who everything is and all of these kind of weird names. So yeah, you read one of uh, Tolkien's books and it, you know the the glossary that tells you how to pronounce everything and all the place and all that is quite long. I mean, there's actual books written about his. You know, they have they land. have classes in universities where you can study Elvish. Actually, yeah, it's a pretty amazing, and just yeah. like you can study Klingon for uh, right. Santa, which is fascinating. I've known people that speak Klingon. Even this is you know I grew up in this family where we would go to these kind of things. But um, yeah, you know I I totally agree with you that when I as I was reading it, I thought you know this is very approachable. If, if I were like, say a 10 year old or a 12 year old, I, I think I would enjoy it just as much, especially because your protagonist is so wonderful to follow along with. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah um, so is it Caria? Caria. 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 Okay. Caria Nameless. Um, here's the thing. Whenever I talk to people who have written books and they're, I don't want to give away anything. And I have to say one of the things I really enjoyed about reading your book is that you're very good at not giving things away. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you are definitely on the journey um, learning about the landscape and learning about the other characters and, and as she's learning. Where sometimes I think authors, they, they, they sort of tell you everything there is to know about a character, which isn't how real life works. Right. You don't meet somebody and you know everything about them. It's a journey into them. That's a lesson I learned early on. Somebody was like, show, don't tell. And actually, that's it's it was more of a film lesson because I, for the past 10 years, have been working in the film industry. And I'll write a lot of screenplays. And very early on, some feedback was, you know, you can, you can show this visually. You don't have to tell the audience everything in dialogue they're not stupid right and I and I thought to myself that's actually really good advice yeah uh, you know so I was I was young at the time but I kind of internalized that and I figured you know I can I can use this in in novel writing as well because it it helps to uh I think bring the audience on the journey with the characters you know and and like you said discover things with them um, and another thing I do is I, I hop, I switch between characters in terms of POV. So I'll spend one chapter with Caria, and then I'll switch over and spend another chapter with Fletcher. And POV being point of view, for those of you that don't know what that is. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so, and I actually learned this technique from the Wheel of Time series, which I read in middle school, high school. And that was the first time that I had, uh, 
seen an author do something like that, use that technique. And for me, it was like kind of mind blowing. So I, I adopted that technique. And I think it's a really great way for an author to either give the audience more information or actually withhold information from them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if, if you're spending time with Caria, obviously you're, you know, you know, her thoughts and you see things through her eyes and you feel what she feels. Uh, but you don't really know what's going through the heads of these other characters necessarily. You can have dialogue, but it won't really reveal their inner thoughts, Um, especially if they're being sneaky or hiding something. And then you can switch over and and you can give the audience more information by, by going over to them. Did you name, I'm always curious about this with, uh, with character names. Did you name her because the name is sort of derivative of the word song or life? Or anything like that, like you know, Kai and Hebrew. Not or actually, I'm not one. really sure where the name came from because I came up with it when I was really young, like twelve or thirteen years old, and I, I might have just you know kind of heard it somewhere in passing or, or seen it in passing and, and latched onto it, but it it sort of popped into my head one day, and you know, and that, so I created this character. And when I say young, I do mean young. I'm like <laughs> you know a twelve year old kid or something. Yeah. So has this story been percolating for that long, or is the story? It has. Oh yeah, and and I actually I started writing it seriously when I was uh, like in ninth grade. I started really really working on it hardcore and being serious about it. Um, but of course, when I was that young, it was it was really you know it was a creative outlet, but it was kind of just uh, a rehash of the stories that I really loved, like Lord of the Rings sure. and. Aragon and <laughs> the Wheel of Time and all that stuff. However, as I grew and as I started developing my own ideas more and more and, you know, and, and putting my life experiences into the book, uh, the story grew with me and it changed with me. And one of the things that I did was I am obviously an avid fantasy reader and I love fantasy, but there are a lot of uh, tropes that you see in, and almost cliches that you see in fantasy, which I wanted to stay away from. So you see, you know, there's there's all these evil dark lords that you have to defeat. There's a Sauron or a Voldemort or what have you. And I do have this ancient evil warlord, Necrovar, in my series, but he, I, I made him a little different. I wanted to make it a little bit less black and white, like these are really the good guys and he's really the evil guy and we have to defeat him. I wanted to stay away from that because in the real world, it's not it's like rarely that. ever like that. that I wanted to talk about that exactly. I made a note as like not not everyone is a hundred percent bad and not everyone's a hundred percent good and not everybody's even doing things for the right reasons or the wrong reasons at the time. And I really love that because to me, that is humanity. Yeah. And I talk about this all the time on various podcasts. Is that you know we like to, to black and white out everything. <laughs> but your book, I, I love the fact that the characters, you can't hate them completely or love them completely because they're, you know. They are all flawed. They yeah. are all very human. and Even um, ones who aren't human are human. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, actually, that's, and, and of course, we do meet some characters, some non-human characters. Yeah. Uh, who have very human traits or who, without trying to give too much away, who learn human traits and that in particular is one of the things I had the most fun writing is someone discovering their humanity who previously 
didn't really know how to act like a human, let's say. Sure. Um, and, 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 you know, learning emotions and learning how to interact, uh, which I think actually is maybe a theme for a lot of these characters. Like, Caria was an outcast growing up, and, you know, the, the villagers hated her because she doesn't have magic, she doesn't look like them. She was born at the wrong time of year. Her parents, there was problems with her parents. Nobody yeah. knew who her father was. They shunned her mother. They hated her mother. Yeah. So, you know, so she has not had a lot of human interaction, really, a lot of positive human interaction. Yeah. And as she goes along, she has to really learn how to how to be like a, a good friend, yeah. you know, to, to Fletcher and how to become friends with Roxanne, one of the other characters, and how to, you know, how to handle the everyday teenage life of, you know, maybe having a crush or doing this or doing that or, yeah. or going out in public and dealing with people. Brushing one's hair. Yeah, right? She hates that. <laughs> Taking a shower, which if I remember correctly, when I was about eight, I was I loathed getting into water. I was... <laughs> well, I liked going swimming, but I did not like taking baths. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Bathing was not okay. Yeah, it's interesting that, too, um, I liked the, the metaphor of that she is also, not only is she learning how to interact with the outside world, but she's learning how to interact with her own spirit, her own self. And yeah. I thought that was, really, especially if a young reader is going to be, you know, will be reading the book and... And I think that that's, that's an important lesson, is learning that you don't need the outside, again, without giving too much away, you don't need necessarily the outside person telling you that you're worthy or that you have magic or that, you know. I think that's a very important uh, metaphor. Right. And for women, especially for girls, especially. Yeah, yeah, this is, and so I, I, I actually did, I wanted, again, going back to the fantasy tropes, you see a lot of fantasy books that are like, a bunch of old white dudes going on a quest, which I love those books, but I wanted to I wanted to kind of modernize or bring into the 21st century the epic fantasy niche genre because we've we've seen pop fantasy and Harry Potter have its limelight. We've seen a lot of urban fantasy get a lot of attention recently. Hunger Games, uh, the Divergent series, all that fun stuff. So these genres have been kind of popularized and modernized, but I still see epic fantasy kind of in this niche corner over here. So the I wanted to... Epic meaning the hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I did. I wanted I wanted to make it appealing to, to everybody and bring everybody into it. So we have a very diverse cast of characters. And, um, yeah, so, so I think that really everybody can can enjoy it and can relate to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really good. I, yeah, I, I loved it so much that I was pissed when I got to the end and I didn't have a second one which I mean that's a sign of a great book that and I'm flattered I am and I'm I'm gonna tell people and reassure them well actually it's funny book three is complete um I do have the bad habit of of hopping around in my writing so when I'm inspired I have to write so I finished book three actually back in like 2009 or something oh my goodness this is a while ago it does need some plastic surgery yeah. Uh, but book two is almost complete. We're about eight chapters away from being done. And when I'm on form, I can write a chapter a day. So that's, it seems like we're in a good place, but I've sort of written myself into a corner. So we're just going to do some, some thinking and, <laughs> and work our way through that. So I think by uh, either the end of the month or a little bit into November, book two is complete. 
And then we have planned a 2018 UK release for it. For a book. I have to wait that long? Well, I'm hoping that we can move that up. I'm hoping that (laughs) if if the editing process goes along quickly, and I do, I also, I, if I can't actively write, if I have writer's block or I'm, there's a problem that I can't really solve on my own, I'll actually go back, I'll reread my work, I'll, I'll edit it, because I do, I'm, I'm, I'm a trained editor, so I can actually go through my own work with an almost objective eye and edit for content, grammar, organization, and as I do that, it reminds me of, you know, what I've written in the past 100, 200 pages. Yeah. And usually it will, it will give me the impetus to say, oh, okay, now I know how I can, how I can proceed in chapter, you know, 40, because I see what I wrote back here in chapter 20. I'm, I'm laying the groundwork almost subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. So it helps a yeah. lot. That's, that's, that's good. But that's a very long time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I got to about 20 pages before the, and I'm not kidding, I read this book in probably about a day and a half, so I had the last 20 pages, I'm like, dang it, I know it's almost over, and I was so irritated, because I was like, oh, I don't want to finish it, but I have to. I like that all the time. Yeah. It's... And I've been waiting, I've been waiting for so many books to come out, and that's actually a pet peeve of mine, is if I have to wait too long, but I, and I know that two years does seem like a lot, well, it's not really like, that really long. It's by yeah. now because we're almost in 2017 yeah it's not really that long I'm just being a crum- I'm being a curmudgeon but that just means that I'll have to go back and read the first book again and then read the second book right, right. that's fine it's funny because your name your true name your actual name reminds me of a Harry Potter character oh really yeah it's I don't know there's something about your last name or you know Elana Mugden sounds like a character out of Harry Potter to me and no, I know yeah, it, that's so your weird, right it's your real name. It's funny. And then I turn on the, the Skype, and I think you look like Emma Watson. So I'm like, oh, what are the chances of that? Well, it's very flattering. I will certainly take that. I'll take that comparison. Yeah, it's funny. So, okay, I would like to get uh, into your process a little bit. So you started the story in ninth grade. And I, I don't know how old you are. You can say or not say. I know you're in the entertainment industry, so I never say how old I am because I'm right. in the entertainment industry. Well, I will let people know that I, I have a birthday coming up. I will be in my closer to 30s yeah. rather than 20s. Okay. 20. Yeah. When's your birthday? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I'm over the 20s hill, but uh, my, my birthday is actually October 15th, which World I did Dragon not Day. Thank you. I did not make this up, but there is a website out there, International Dragon Day, yeah. and they've chosen it to be this year on my birthday. So I saw that. And I completely flipped out. I was like, oh, my God. I shared the website with people, and they're like, you made this up. Are you going to have a big party? Uh, at this stage of my life, I kind of just ignore my birthdays. I understand that. But, you know, if it falls on, it'd be fun to have a dragon party. What a great party but that would be. I actually, I was, if I had had more time to plan, the only thing I would have liked to do was to have maybe like a book event because a lot of people have been asking are you going to do an event here in New York are you going to do a signing are you going to do anything which I would have liked to do but now it's I can't I don't have the time to plan it yeah Um, maybe for Halloween because Halloween is like my my favorite holiday yeah it's my day so I might might try something for the end of the month so So, do you do you carve out time of you said that you write when you are inspired and you you follow that muse but do you carve out time every day to write or is it more a couple times a week or are you very disciplined not very disciplined what what's your process i am 
am working on becoming more disciplined. So, uh, I work, you know, I, I have a survival job like many creative arts people do. And on those days, there isn't a lot of time for me to go out after work and write, but I will, I will try, you know, in the afternoons, I might go to Starbucks and it sounds so basic. It sounds so stupid, but I like, I have to go to either Starbucks or Barnes and Noble to focus. Cause then I'll buy something and I'll be like, all right, I spent money. Now I have to sit here for at least four hours and work. Yeah. And it does, it works for me. So on, on the days when I have my job, I'll, I'll do that in the afternoons, but on my off days, I do have a routine. I like to go running and kind of organize my thoughts, be alone with myself. And then I will go to Starbucks and I'll literally sit there for like seven hours. Wow. And I will, I will either edit or write. And it's, sometimes it's tough, but you know, just like, I can't, I can't do it in my room because if I'm here, I'll I'll just be on the internet or I'll I'll be texting people and it's not good. Yeah. so I go out and I and I it's like an office kind yeah, of in sure. a way, um, but I do I'll I'll work there and I I write in a disciplined manner like this maybe a good four times a week mm-hmm. and then if I can't make it out I will do work at home and I really am trying to get into that routine. This is the routine I tell other people to follow, by the way. So I'm trying to follow my own advice and just have a couple hours a night where. I'm there and I'm, I'm sitting at the computer and I'm explicitly doing work. What is your survival career? Is it editing? Oh God. <laughs> I'm, I, I just work, I work as uh, an administrator, front desk admin as at a, a real estate firm. Okay. So it's it's not about as far away time. from creative as you can get then. Right. Well, fortunately, I mean, the, again, in the real estate industry is kind of, it has its ups and downs. So on the slow days, I, it, it's actually very useful to me. I can, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but, but I can do some of my own work. So yeah. I'll go on my email and I'll answer emails and, or I'll work on my website, yeah. uh, which I have a bad tendency of kind of leaving that for months and not updating it. Yeah. yeah. Don't we all? I, what is your yeah. website? So I can, I'll put it on links on my yeah. human podcast. It's alentria.com. Um, and so that's, that's the name of, the world in which Dragon Speaker and the Shadow War Saga is set. Yes. And I did update it recently and I think it looks pretty cool. Yes. So I'm, I'm kind of proud of, of the updates that I did. So you can go check it out. All right. I'll put a link on the Hey Human podcast website too. So I do awesome. that with everybody because, um, you know, we end up talking about all sorts of different things and it just helps direct people back to what they heard. You of know, course. Yeah. That kind of thing. Well, cool. So, who in your book, in do you in Dragon Speaker, are you most? This is the dumbest question ever, but who do you feel most akin to? Not including the protagonist, because that's just a no-brainer. Everyone always puts themselves in the protagonist. So, take right. the protagonist out, take her out. She so, shall remain nameless. Who is the? Who is the I next have, character? <laughs> I've actually thought about this a lot, and. Of course, every every character in the book is really a facet of myself, so I project myself into everybody when I, especially when I switch viewpoints. But I really love Cezanne. <laughs> He's like probably the person I would be if I cared not at all about societal norms or you know law breaking or stuff. Like I liked him. It's funny too because there's I had a sweet spot for him, even though you know. 
I don't want to give anything away, but I did have a sweet spot where I'm like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, and and he's um, I mean he's kind of a jerk in the books, but but he's he's funny. He's, yeah, he's got a lot of personality. And he does, and he's and he's great. So um, he's the drummer at, when you were 20 that you you know you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't date him, but <laughs> right, you're like, but maybe I will either to anger my parents yeah. or just to you know just to rebel against the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's totally him. So, but he's, he is, I think probably me without a filter. Yeah. So, and that's why I like him maybe is because he just, he doesn't care. He's just, he's going to be rude. He's going to be mean. He's going to break the law. He wants to get money. That's his like one motivating factor in life. He's like a lot of people I know for sure. Yeah, right. Do you think if you, are you going to make this into a movie you think? Because you're also a filmmaker. This is, you're not just... (laughs) An author, you're like a lot of creatives. You're multifaceted, so and I could, I mean, I could see this being a killer cartoon, even. I would. Oh, oh my God. Well, actually, again, I'm I'm like 25, going on 13. So I I love cartoons, animated films. Yeah. I watch kid movies like nothing else. Um, <laughs> and I would actually, I would love to see it made into a movie because that's. You know, from from day one, basically, when I started it, that was the dream, is to see it up on the silver screen. I think that it depends a lot on the success of the book, because I do think that it could make a very compelling movie, uh, either as an animated version or as a live-action film, which I would, I would love to, you know, see it live-action. But we are many millions of dollars short in terms of a budget, so if the book picks up and if people start paying attention to it and it and it garners a lot of interest you know especially when some of the other books in the series as well come out yeah and i think maybe then studio execs might start paying attention and seeing that there is a fan base they i would hope would, well on goodreads you get nothing but high marks it I, t- I took a look at goodreads to see what people were saying and you're getting i mean it's gonna get out there for sure i hope so yeah and i'm and some of them are beta readers, friends of mine who I gave the book to as the years went on and said, tell me if this is good or not. Yeah. So I have a couple people who have, you know, they've, they've read many actually iterations of the book. Yeah. They've seen the book in its earliest manuscript stages and they've, they've loved it all the way. So I'm very grateful to them. But I also now see on Amazon and Goodreads people who their names, I don't know. And they like the book. And that to me, I think is the mark of, success from where I'm standing because it's easy for your mom to tell you that you wrote the best book in the history of the world because she's your mom and she's obligated to say that yeah and your friends are kind of obligated to you know be nice to you or at least temper their criticism uh but complete strangers they're not obligated to say anything nice to me and it's very uh flattering to hear that people have who never met me, sure. no connection to me, have been enjoying the book. Yeah, absolutely. So I am very grateful. Does your family think you're crazy for being a writer, or are they, they cool about it? My parents? Yeah. Uh, they've, I've been crazy all my life, so they're used to it. <laughs> and so my first uh, career trajectory was to be an actress, which is, in a way, even crazier. And then my backup plan was to be a filmmaker, which is like, even crazier and then now I'm, I'm focusing on the writing and so it to me it even seems maybe a little bit more uh 
more reasonable than some of the other things I've tried in my life. Um, but they are very supportive. They've they've always been supportive of me. And when I was actually in middle school and high school, I made a trilogy of feature-length films, um, a lot of which the ideas I stole from this book. So it's kind of an amalgamation of X-Men, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Aragon. I mean, you can imagine it. It's a bunch of teenagers running around the woods in capes and doing fight scenes. Awesome, yeah. Um, but I got my dad involved, and I would show him my screenplays, and he'd be like, it's great, but you're never going to make it. <laughs> but then he would be out there with us filming in the woods, and he actually he played the villain in the trilogy. Um, a villain who ultimately redeems himself, however. Yeah. So and, so, and so he was there, you know, every day with us. And so they are, they're, they're very supportive of me. That's awesome. That's, yeah. I love to hear that because I think it is important to have support around you, you know, yes. when you're a creative because it's, 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 it's a tough road to hold. It is. It yeah. is. And a lot of people get discouraged. And if you don't have at least that one person, and it can even be yourself saying, you got to keep going. You can't give up three years from now you're going to thank me for not giving up then it's very it is actually very difficult to continue and yeah. the road can seem very dark sometimes yeah yeah i did you ever watch the cartoon <laughs> he-man you ever seen it uh i have seen on youtube yeah. so i'm familiar with it i didn't actually watch it growing up i watched very little television uh growing up because we didn't have cable i wasn't allowed to like watch yeah really anything yeah um <laughs> Yeah. Now that I'm on the internet, I know things. Yeah. Well, he it, when I as I was reading, I thought, man, this would be such a great cartoon series, a la He Man. You know, oh just, my God. the Adventures of He Man was a great cartoon. It was, and I had the poster in my room when I was little. I was like, oh, He Man. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched any of the '80s Rankin Bass films. Mm-mm. Um, there was a lot of them, and actually, they they did a an animated version of The Hobbit. Yeah, which, which is I used awesome. I watch religiously. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, and which told The Hobbit better in 88 minutes than they did in three movies recently, yeah. in my opinion. I saw a double feature in the theater of The Hobbit and Heavy Metal. Oh, my God. And you want to know what? My grandma took me. That's awesome. <laughs> Go, Grandma. I know. Well, her husband, my grandfather, uh, was room- college roommates with Heinlein. And so the she... She, uh, they went to the Naval Academy together, so she, she also was immersed in sci-fi and fantasy and understood all that stuff, which then my mother was immersed in and had friends like Vonda McIntyre and, like, these are all people that I grew up around. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. So crazy. So. Crazy. so. And, uh, and Ursula Le Guin, right? Yep. And That's Ursula Le Guin. Yeah, they're all friends of my mom's, my mom's side of the family. So actually they did, um... Studio Ghibli did an animated version of Tales of Earthsea a couple years back. Oh, I haven't seen that either. Which has dragons in it, so obviously. Yeah. And I love Studio Ghibli. I love their work. It wasn't uh, Hayao Miyazaki. I think it was actually his son who directed it. But I'm, I'm, like, obsessed with them anyway, and they're fantastic artists. So I watched it, and it did have dragons in it. So obviously I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> dragons are awesome. Yeah. When I was little, my my uh, older brother used to collect figure, you know, the the figurines and paint them, the iron figurines or pewter oh, yes, or whatever. Yes, yes. And he had his prized possession, which he still has, was this huge dragon that he painstakingly painted. 
you know, so. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Dragons are a big thing in my family, for sure. And my very eldest brother, he is Year of the Dragon, so he thinks he's really cool. Love it. <laughs> so I, everything, you have a pretty tame view of my room right here, but dragons, 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 dragons. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, I don't Where? know if you can see it. If, I don't want to make you nauseous by turning the film, but, uh, or the thing, but you can see on the bookshelf there on the... I see him. My dragon, yes. My brother came to visit um, Nashville uh, last year, and he brought me that dragon. Here's this guy. Oh, beautiful. Who sits right up there in a place of honor. It was actually given to me by uh, some some random person. I knew him for like two days, and he was like, here, I have this dragon. Hey. I can't do anything with it. Why don't you take it? I was like, oh my god, okay. That's amazing. You gotta love a good dragon gift. So you're, now I'm a little confused. I know that October 15th is World Dragon Day. It's also your birthday. But that, is that the day that the book drops officially? Or is that just a coincidence? That, so the book is actually out. It is it's, out. Okay. Yeah, it was released July 15th. And, but... For people in the states, it's not actually available here in stores yet. So no, no, no Barnes and Noble or anything for us. Um, what if people here want a hard copy? What they can do, obviously, is they can go to my publisher's website, uh, Penworks Media. They can go. They can order it on Amazon.co.uk. So you can't go to Amazon.com and order it, but you can go to the UK version. Uh, it's available on Waterstones, which is the UK version of Barnes and Noble. So, and if people go to the Elentria website, there's links for all of that stuff. So whatever your preference is. And of course it's available as an e-reader version. So you can go to Amazon and get a Kindle version as well. Yeah. Um, so there are ways to get it. What we're hoping is that we can release a book. We can do a book release, I should say every year. So what that means is obviously this year we released the first book in the UK we're looking at summer 2017, we hope, for a U.S. release of the first book. Got it. And then the following year in the U.K., it would be release of book two, and the fo- and so on and so forth. So we're alternating every year, U.K. release of one book, and then the next year we follow it with the U.S. release. You'll have to come Which- to Nashville with it. There's a great bookstore called Parnassus. It's the little indie bookstore here that's fantastic. So... Yeah. Come here. here. So how did you find Penworks Media? How did you come across your publisher? How did that go down? Because I know for a lot of uh, aspiring writers, it probably feels very daunting to think, okay, well, here I have this book. Now what do I do? So talk about that a minute. It's very daunting. And so like many people, I spent years, uh, and I do mean years, submitting the book to... In the U.S., you really have to kind of go through an agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would I would do that and because a lot of publishers don't accept unsolicited materials. But I did. I did all my homework, and I looked up publishers who would accept unsolicited materials, and I would submit to them. I would submit to agents. And in the earlier years, when the book was not um, its fully realized version that it is now, I would get a lot of responses like, oh, it seems good, but it's not for me, or this and that. And, you know, as time went on and I honed my my writing, and I especially honed my query letter, because that is very important. And that's a lot of, that's something that a lot of people forget, is that you have to have a really stellar query letter. And I was just never good at that. Never, never. Can't write about myself. 
can't talk myself up. So, you know, I, I think that might have hindered me over the years. And so, but always it was submit to people, you submit to 100 people, you hear back from three and they're all no, right? And it's like, oh, well, it's, it seems good, but it's not for me, or I'm sorry, but I'm not accepting new clients, or this or that. And I got really tired of it because it was across the board in every, every industry I was working in, it was this series of rejections, you know? And as an actress, it's very difficult. As a filmmaker, it's very difficult. And then as a writer, of course, when I come home at night and uh, and I do the the writing bit, and I still get rejections after getting rejections all day, it's it's tiring. And you have to keep writing even when you're getting the rejections. That's oh yeah, a huge yeah. Thing. Fortunately for me, writing has never it's never felt like work. Mm-hmm. It does now a little bit because I have deadlines and I have to be disciplined. But it's never. It, I, I've always enjoyed it. And what I used to do on my days off, I would go to Barnes and Noble and I would write for hours and hours, and that would be my relaxation, which was great. But um, getting back to how I found Penworks Media, so I had for years been rejected, and I was at a point in my life where I was sick of everything, <laughs> and I was kind of making my segue out of the film world because it was very tiring and there were been kind of one too many rejections um and I was like I'm, you know I'm gonna focus on the writing for a little bit and I don't care if everybody rejects me I am gonna publish it myself because in today's day and age you can do that and if you are good at social media which I'm not right you can be very successful so I kind of made the mental commitment I said I am I am going to finish it I am going to put it out there myself and I'm going to promote it myself, and it will, and I'll be successful. And um, so I, so I did. I started this whole process. I, I got it professionally edited, even though, just, just to kind of give me the confidence to say yes, okay, it's everything is perfect. I can publish. I can put it out there in the universe. Um, I started working with people on cover art. I started looking up ways, you know, different um, self-publishing methods and stuff like that. And then around May last year, I go on Facebook and I see a post from a group that I've been added to. And I don't remember ever being added to this group. So the the whole thing is actually very random. Jody, who is uh, the manager of Penworks Media and and my publisher, uh, added me as a friend on Facebook years ago. And I didn't know him, he didn't know me, but I accept friend requests indiscriminately because I like to feel popular. So <laughs> there we were, right? <laughs> and then and then apparently he added me to this group. And I usually will leave groups because I don't like getting notifications because I'm secretly, I guess, a really crotchety old man uh, sitting on his lawn. And get off my lawn, you damn kids. <laughs> but I stayed in this group for whatever reason um, maybe because it, I saw that it was book oriented and publishing oriented. And so some subconscious part of me was like, this could be useful down the road, but I had, but I had been part of it for years and never seen an update from them, never seen a notification for them. Suddenly I go on Facebook and, and this post pops up and he's like, we're, we're accepting submissions in X, Y, and Z genres. And fantasy wasn't one of those genres, but I, 
I commented on it. I was like, would you accept a, a fantasy submission? And Jody wrote back. He was like, yeah, send a letter, query letter, and uh, you know, writing sample to to Penworks Media, the info at Penworks Media. So I said, okay. I query letter. I have my writing sample. Oh, we're breaking up a little bit. Hold on for a second, if you can hear me. With my plan. Wait, and hold on, hold on, hold on. We're, the video's. Okay, I think, we're, I think we're back. Um, go, the, we're back. Uh, the query letter. You sent the query letter and a writing sample, and. Yes, so I, so I have these things. I sent them out. If he doesn't like them, it's, it's fine, right? It's no skin off my nose, and I proceed with my self publishing plan. So I sent it out, and like you do with all queries, you. You put it out and you have to let it go. You have to forget about it because ten times out of ten, it's it's usually a no. <laughs> um, but he actually got back to me very quickly and he said we would love to see a full manuscript, which is a big thing. That's a big deal. Did you send him like a first chapter or something? Or yeah, I don't. I I wrote a little. Three. I wrote a query letter and I wrote actually a little bit more of a personalized query letter saying why how I found Penworks Media and why I thought it might be a good fit. Um, so I added a little bit of embellishment to it yeah. and I sent, I guess maybe the first three chapters. Yeah. So usually when people request, uh, materials from you or when you're doing a submission, they'll ask for a writing sample and it will be maybe the first, either the first 10 pages or the first three chapters, something along those lines. Uh, so it's pretty standard. So I had said that whatever it was that he was asking for, but then he asked for a full manuscript, which, like, that's that's the dream. That means somebody's interested enough to invest a lot of time. And it's not a short book. It's, it's like oh. 118,000 words. Yeah, it's, it's got That's the investment on their part. And it means that they like your work enough to make that investment. So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I sent that. And, again, I kind of tempered my expectations. And I said, it's okay. This is still a really good step in the right direction. Uh, it makes me feel good <laughs> that somebody likes it. Even if it's a no, it's it's all part of the process. It's all part of the journey. But then he got back to me again and he said, we love it. We want to publish it. It's and, really good. Yeah. And the rest is history. It's amazing. So, what so, a great story. Yeah. And I and think it's important to note that you you pounded the pavement up until then as well. But I, from some of the stuff I've read about you, and I watched a couple videos on YouTube and such, it seems to me like you are of the personality that you're like, this is who I am, this is what I do. I'm going to make a film today. All right, so I'm going to start making, you know. And I think that's great because just like the character in your book, the you know, the protagonist, that, you know, you are going through the world... You you are like the realized version of her, and that oh. you do you know what I mean? That you you're like this is who I am, and this is what I'm gonna do, and the outside influence. That's great, and good on your parents too, because you know that that also comes from an upbringing of of very independent thinkers and things. I, I have yeah. a feeling that you're. I don't know anything about your family, but I have a feeling it is a family of independent thinkers. They it is yeah. and intellectuals. Yes, well I can um. tell. Yeah, which I, I'm in a way kind of the black sheep in that regard but they also a lot of very artistic yes. people so the family is actually very small you know my immediate family is is really now it's like five or six people yeah immediate family um so they're not very big 
but all either have a history in the arts or education or or actively are in it. Yeah. Um, right. It's a really wonderful background to come from. Not that you had to have that in order to be successful, but I think... You're, right. It's, you're, it's really, it's, you know, find your passion and follow it. Yeah. And Go you know what? It. My father says that my uncle used to always say, opportunity knocks, it doesn't nag. And you've done the work. And so when you did happen to notice uh, Jody's post... Yeah. You came to the door prepared and opened it. That I, I like that. That's actually a really good analogy. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> to me it did. It felt very it felt very random that I suddenly saw this post and, and everything kind of fell into place. But if I think about it, it's it's really Perfect I, timing. I, I'm preparing for that moment. You bet. Absolutely. <clears throat> and good for Jody for seeing something uh, I mean yeah. Yeah. I have to laugh because I think, well, geez, if I was a publisher and I got through the first three chapters, I'd be like, uh, I need to read the rest of this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I have to thank uh, one of the other people of Penworks Media, Prima Patel, okay. who was apparently the, the reader who got my manuscript first. Ah, well, good on Prima. <laughs> yeah, and so she's actually the one we have to thank. That's she a great name, too. Me. Prima Patel? What a great name. Yeah, yeah she's great. And she's like, Jody. We gotta publish this. Oh, wonderful! So actually, it's Prima. We have to. All right, yay really, to Prima! Awesome. She's the unsung hero of yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> she knows what's up. That's for sure. <laughs> well, this has been delightful. I, I really appreciate uh, your time, and uh, I want everyone to go read Dragon Speaker. Uh, oh, thank Alana you. wrote a great book. It's fantastic. Thank you, Susan. I'm very honored. I'm honored that you wanted to speak with me, and I had a fantastic time speaking with you. Yay! Have a wonderful day. Enjoy spring and or spring. I don't know where I am. Enjoy fall in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a nice day today in New York? Uh, we're getting, I think, the the tail end of the hurricane. Matthew, yeah, we it's up. Yeah, we're. I'm in Nashville, and we are being pummeled with some. I I shouldn't say pummeled. it, It it's. We're getting some pretty decent wind last night and today. So yeah, it's not it's it's not really bad out, um, but it is cold and dreary. Yeah. Yesterday was actually really misty, nasty in the morning. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that this is the worst of it, and that it just kind of stays nasty, but not yeah detrimental. <laughs> yeah, that Matthew was a badass. He really. Oh, it was really bad. Yeah, really bad. Not even in the U.S., but in Haiti. I they, know it's they so got sad. Slammed. Terribly, so sad. And, uh, it's it's really bad down there. Yeah, Mother so. Nature is pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've done a number camper. on her. I know. I'm not a happy camper. Well, have yeah. a wonderful fall day. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I got my seasons right. Time is fluid. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Time is a construct of our minds. It doesn't right. exist. Exactly. Take care. Everyone, read Dragon Speaker. There'll be, I'll have links on my heyhumanpodcast.com. And uh, it's fantastic. And you're fantastic. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. See you later. Take care. Bye.